When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Patrick Prince. Welcome back to the Goldmine Podcast. We're going to have a fun podcast today. Longtime writer Dave Thompson will join us, and we're going to we're going to talk about our favorite and not so favorite pop songs. And what defines a pop song? Well, it's up to us. What individually we as we define it, not anyone else, as we define it ourselves. So we're going to welcome Dave. Dave, you there? I am indeed. How are you? I'm pretty darn groovy. Tell the listeners what you're working on. Your your last book, of course, you were on the podcast about that, about Hawkwind, right? Yes, the new one is a collector's guide to BBC radio sessions, 1962 to 1967. That's cool. Um, it's cool until you see how many jazz musicians are listed. Well, you did do the jazz guide for Goldmine, the price guide, right? So you do like you do like your your jazz sort of well, crossover. Yeah. <laughs> crossover jazz. Yeah, I thought it was going to be all sort of you know, pop go the Beatles and Unit 4 plus 2 on Saturday Club. Ah. And it turns out it isn't. No, it's it's great fun. It's one it's just one of those projects that I started for fun and it just took over. And now when I go to sleep at night all I can think of are dates and uh, the names of radio shows uh, that you know remembers. You turn into Rain Man. Yes, basically. Rain Man of the Light of Service. <laughs> I I go on I go online late at night looking for uh downloads of Teenager's Turn from 1962, <laughs> so I can hear what Alex Welsh may have played on it. Well, readers of Goldmine have been reading your column, Spin Cycle. God, how many years now? It's been about oh. 20 years, has it been? 10, at least 10, right? It's been a while. Yeah, yeah I, every I, month. I try, I try not to count years. And you also, it's not just vinyl, even though you try to keep it just vinyl, but you also, you uh, you spin CDs on there too. It's just not a spin cycle for vinyl. You also have CDs. And yes, and um, we had an 8-track in the last one, I think. Yeah, one I, that. I think you did have an 8-track in there. And, and cassettes. 8-track, $55, I think it retailed for. They do spin... You know, they do have a mechanism yeah, that spins. Yeah, they and they fly. A-tracks <laughs> are one of the most versatile musical formats there has it ever been. They're hard to smash. Oh, no. Hard to, <laughs> <laughs> hard to fix. Very oh, easy. God. Very easy to smash. Just put a little bit of chewing gum inside the player and it will eat them forever. Anyway, let's start with what we consider... Our top three pop songs, um, and and I could go first. We'll we'll play a, a a snippet of the song. Basically, we'll play part of the song we kind of refer to. Um, 
certain parts of it. Uh, for me, one of the this to me this song defines kind of pop to me, and it's the song "Hello, It's Me" by Todd Rundgren. something about this song the way the song changes it has a little bit of mood changes in it um as a kid i know i've always liked this song it just hit me right away i don't know how you feel about it you you i know you you've interviewed todd rundgren i know you you um you like certain parts of his music i don't know if you like this song though do you uh it's not something i rush to listen to ah but I also don't rush not to listen to it. <laughs> it's not going to. It's not going to drive you out of the room. No, it usually surprises me that it's him. Wow, why is that? Because I never expected to be by him. He'll play it. It's like, oh, that was pleasant. Uh, that was Todd Rundgren. It's like, oh. Did you like the album? Uh, Something, anything. That it was off of 1972. It's a. I thought it was a good album. It's kind of considered um, a little soft rock. Uh, my my Todd listening, I, it's more like I'll make a I'll Utopia. Make a, I'll make a cassette of my favorite bits. Oh, Utopia, Communion with the Sun. That was great. Right. And you and you got the free pyramid with the album. Not a real one, obviously. You got a free cardboard pyramid with the album, and if you cut it out and assembled it and put razor blades inside, apparently they would never go blunt. And you have to think, yes, that's because I'm not using it. It's under the pyramid. It will <laughs> remain sharp forever. Well, the story yeah. behind the song is that uh, it was a high school breakup, a painful one, in 1967. Now, I guess he never got over it, huh? <laughs> And he called the woman years later and said, hello, it's me, I'm stalking you. Um, <laughs> uh, we've all been there. <laughs> so, um, you're right, I guess I guess you have a point. Um, when I first heard as a kid, I've heard uh, Todd's uh, music before, but you're right, when you first hear it, you, you don't think it's him right away. You don't think it's oh. him. In fact, some of the other pop songs that he does... You don't necessarily think it's him, but did he perform it on the Midnight Special where he dressed up like a rather uh, disreputable Christmas tree? I believe he did. Yes. Was he trying to be Elton John? I don't know. I don't know what he was trying to be. It was brilliant. But he was—he was in that glam phase, wasn't he? Yeah, um, and he did it really well. Um, he doesn't seem to think so anymore. But that was my first exposure to him, I think, was uh, photographs from that, because it was in the days before. Did you ever see him live? Yes, I did, actually. I saw him in Seattle in the early 90s on one of his extremely sort of computer tech weird tours. Did he play Hello, It's Me? I don't think he did during that time. I honestly don't remember. I guess he didn't then. I 
remember. <laughs> I wouldn't have noticed. <laughs> I remember enjoying the show very much. Huh. Um, but I could not tell you a single thing he played. It may all have been off the new album, for all I know. Well, you got to say, the man is eclectic. I mean, he. Oh, yeah. Him. I mean, um, do you like I, his production work? Yeah, Faithless, I think. <clears throat> Faithless is my favorite album, largely because of the production work. Hmm. Well, anyway, I think the Hello It's Me is a great example of a, a pop song. You know, it borders on, he's basically thought of as classic rock, right? He falls in that genre. But yeah. he crossed over, I think, with this. Um, now, what's your pick? What's um, your pick now? My, my first pick will be Happy Together by the Turtles. Ooh. You, you and me. No matter how they toss the dice, it had to be The only one for me is you, and you for me So happy together I can't see me loving nobody but you For all my life When you're with me, baby, the skies will be blue For all my life That's a good one. It's so insanely happy-making. It's it, it's impossible to even be slightly cross when it's playing. But I've... also because, again, it goes through sort of interesting little changes. It has the most simplistically perfect lyrics. Hmm. And the first time... I mean, I was aware of it when it was out, but, I, you know, I was, I was young in those days. Um, the first time I really connected with it was on Zappa's Live at the Fillmore album. I was going to say, yeah. When it comes in at the end of just that, you know, the long thing about um, <coughs> ladies and doing things. And they and now we're, you know, we're a big pop band and they burst into Happy Together. And I think that moment is one of my favorite moments on any Zappa record. Hmm. Because the first time you hear it, you're just not expecting it. Unless, of course, you look at the track listing, which I probably didn't. I always got but the it, sense that Zappa was mocking it. <clears throat> but um, uh, No, I think, I mean, the reason he brought Flo and Eddie in was because he loved the Turtles. I know. I only found that out later, but when I first heard Zappa play live, um, that's how I felt. I didn't know the background. Yeah, no, no I, I just thought that was such a perfect moment and it made me go back to the song and some of their other stuff as well. And it was like, I adore that record. I mean, it was going to be either that or Bus Stop hmm. by The Holly or Atlantis by Donovan. Um, well, I remember you, um, I, I mean, you listen to that song, the very first music you hear, the first chords, you, you get into it. You, you feel... Hmm. You feel happy. Yes. Yes. Whereas, you know, Atlantis, you probably have to... I was in the supermarket, oh, back in the olden days when we could go into supermarkets, you know, like walking up the the frozen broccoli aisle and <clears throat> the in-store music is playing Atlantis. And it just felt so surreal. <laughs> like, <laughs> why am I here and why am I hearing this? Did you have an acid flashback? <laughs> I have never taken acid 
I. No, I'm man. just teasing you. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> I not have an, it, well, I didn't need an acid flashback. It was just so weird. You know, you're looking at you're looking at celery pops, right? And suddenly it's like Atlantis is playing. It's like, ah, right. <laughs> you expect the store to fill with water and these wispy myrrh figures to start dancing around you. Yeah, I've always loved Donovan. He's not on my list, though. Um, He's not on mine because it's impossible to choose a favorite Donovan song. It is. I, I don't know why. It's impossible to choose uh, favorites uh, on the list. But I, I had to choose, you know, I love Marvin Gaye. I was going to choose What's Going On. It's more an R&B type song. Yeah. Um, so is... Ain't No Mountain High Enough with Tammy Terrell, but I think that's a great song to choose because it is, it defines popular music. I mean... Yeah, and, I mean, it's just such a passionate vocal from both of them. Oh, yeah. It, it, you could see, you, this is not a karaoke song. No, no one can just sing this, man. This I, is, I wish it was a karaoke song. It'd be really funny <laughs> to see people struggling through. If someone can sing karaoke to this, they're a great singer. Listen, baby, ain't no mountain high, ain't no valley low, ain't no river wide enough, baby. If you need me, call me, no matter where you are, no matter how far. Don't worry, baby, just call my name, I'll be there in a hurry, you don't have Oh, baby, there ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no valley low enough, ain't no river wide enough to keep me from getting to you, baby. And it's really, it's the duet part of it, the back and forth. And yes. I, and Tammy, of course, well, she, you know, she had a hard life and, um, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and, and Mar when she died, Marvin Gaye never got over it. Um, yeah. And that's supposedly... That was, that was so sad. That's it. A lot of the album, What's Going On, was after her death, and supposedly he was depressed over it, and you could feel it in the album. I didn't know that, but because um, I love that album as well. But th this song... Um, I think is a is a good pick. Yes, uh, I agree. Um, what's your next pick? My next pick is Sea Moon by Paul McCartney and Wings. Ooh. Sea Moon. Sea Moon. Sea Moon. Is she? I'm, I know you're not a Beatles guy, so I'm a little surprised at this pick. Um, it's not, not I'm not a Beatles guy. It's just, I'm, yeah, but I'm not a Beatles guy. Um, 
I thought Wings, across the four Wings albums that I actually like, which is the sequence from Wildlife through to uh, Venus and Mars, mm. I think song for song he was be writing better material than he had in previous combos he had played in. And Sea Moon was just such a daft little song. It's another of those ones. It comes on and you grin ridiculously. Even if you hate it, you have to grin. I think it's in the Constitution. <laughs> so you grin throughout while listening to this. Oh, yes, totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. And yeah, what's it about? Who knows? Who cares? <laughs> Probably drugs. <laughs> or, or his pet snail or something. That'd be a good name for a snail, wouldn't it? It's slightly mystic. Hmm. Well, he has written about his pets, right? You yes. Never, you never know. Yes, his lamb <laughs> and his, uh, his ram. <laughs> I ram is such a great album. No, Sea Moon is my second one. And also, it's one of those time and place records because I was also small when that came out. Mm. And, you know, it, it reminds me do, of that. Do you think that's it? Do you think that's, those are the pop songs that usually stick with us when they were young and I it's think nostalgic? So. Um, I mean, I read somewhere and I... I disagree with it uh, wholly, but your musical taste is formed between the ages of... Your lasting musical taste is formed between the ages of like 13 and 18. Hmm. Because I got to um, say, I, I, you know, my son tried to turn me on to The weekend, and I, he said, what's the difference? You know, I didn't like it. And he said, what's the difference between this and some of the stuff you like? And I thought about it. And he was kind of right that, you know, some of it is kind of like R&B funk. And I, I would probably like some of it if it were in the 70s or 60s. <laughs> I don't know. The weekends remind me of the National, who in turn remind me of the 80s. And if yes. I'm going to play the 80s, I'll play something from the 80s. That's one. Yeah. He goes back to, he does that. He, he has some 80s sounding stuff. Some sort of 70s funk, um, R&B, disco type stuff. But I think it's, you're biased, <clears throat> we're biased when, you know, I was biased when listening to it. If it had a tag of being in the 70s, I, I would have thought of it differently because mm -hmm. that's when I grew up. That's That's how I kind of... Yeah, I mean, I think that's it. I mean, I sometimes say that for me, music as a force that I listened to everything and wanted to like most of it ended in like 1984 yeah um, and yeah that's when I was seven um, <laughs> of course there's some genres that I can't I don't care what era they're from <laughs> they, they would never they would never I don't <laughs> Uh, have you heard the new Kylie Minogue single whose title I don't know? No, I have not. Actually, really good. Really? Yeah. Um, we have one of those sort of talking personal assistant things. Oh. And if we ask you to play Radio London, it will. Are you talking about Alexa? Shh. <laughs> she, she 
emerge you a little blue light flash. Oh God! Um, but we we stick on Radio London like during the day while I'm working, or you know we're just sitting around at weekends, and so you hear just like you know radio always used to be. You hear the same ten songs over and over. And most of them I can really live without, including the new weekend single, funnily enough. But <laughs> Kylie's like, this is great. <clears throat> yes, I highly recommend it to anybody who needs some Kylie in their life. Well, that's certainly pop. She she yeah. hit she yeah. was big about what twenty years ago was it? Uh, she has remained big in the, in Europe. Oh, she has. Okay. Yeah. The last I remember about her is she went out with uh, Michael Hutchins from In Excess, I think. Yes. Yes. You know, she had the big hit single with Nick Cave. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Okay, I so... Think, I think that kind of knocked her career off kilter a little because she suddenly realized, oh, goodness, I have a serious audience. I'd better make grown-up records, and they weren't very good. <laughs> Uh, or not as good as the ungrown-up ones. But, you know, she was one of those poor people who got saddled with Stock Aitken Waterman as producers. And whilst they were, you know, they made the right sound for late 80s, once you get out of the late 80s, they suddenly sound very, very crass. Mm. And, of course, I have an 80s pick in my songs I don't like, which is actually worse than anything they ever did. I don't mind like synth, but it's gotten to the point where it's nothing but synth, and it's almost—I don't know, man. Well, then you're moving into a tangerine dream or craftwork territory, aren't you? Worse, man. What do you mean? At least I actually like that. Um, Yeah. um, It's it's doesn't have that depth. It's just pure. It's like bubblegum cross. Oh, with yeah, when it's just, the, you know they've got their first synth and they don't really know how to play it. They just found those, like, three presets. They go, dee, 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 dee. <laughs> it goes on like that forever. And then they, they just sing something really daft over it. Like, <laughs> I wish I was Duran Duran. I would be a hunky man. Um, yeah, I mean, that's... You God, know what I'm right. talking about. I just wrote a song live on a podcast. <laughs> You did. Yeah, now, I, now you could, now maybe you could collect royalties. Um, um, speaking of Beatles, I'm going to choose my next one, my last one, as as one that's very popular. John Lennon, Imagine, and I also want to. Well, I, I love Lennon; he's my favorite Beatle. But um, I love the song. But I, I wasn't going to choose it because I consider all Beatles more rock, rock more rock and roll. Um, but this song, you know, I think transcends that. But also because I think there's a mention of Phil Spector, I want to mention. He produced it, and he keeps himself, as I told you before, uh, before the podcast, he keeps himself in check. <clears throat> and I thought he did a great job of accenting um, John Lennon's piano playing and John Lennon himself. And I think that's what it needs to be. You, you uh, support the artist where I've never been a Phil Spector fan. I thought he was very Wagner, you know, just over the top drowning out the artist. You know, an example for me was when he would uh, produce some Ike and Tina Turner stuff. And it would just be like, 
Whoa, you know, you're drowning out these incredible artists, man. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> the wall of sound is like drowning everyone. Um, I don't know how you feel about Phil Spector, but that's how I felt. And I thought he did a great job here. Of course, Lennon did, but um, I thought he helped with the song. That's why I picked it. It transcends rock into, you know, into popular music. Pop. I like, I like Spectre for all the reasons you don't. Okay. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that if a job's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. Do you like Wagner and classical music? Um, I like classical music. Wagner, I can, so it depends who's doing it. Some people <laughs> just throw everything in and you can hear like the furniture falling off. Isn't that, isn't that Spectre? <laughs> but that's it. It's like, he builds a wall of sound and then he thinks, uh -huh. oh, the wall's not tall enough, the wall's not thick uh -huh. enough. Um, I think I'll throw a city in there as well. <laughs> but we need public transport. And he throws it all into these two uh -huh. minutes. Yes, and, he does. And you listen back to it and it's like, Wow, you really went over the top, didn't you? It's great. Um, I like it. And then he puts it all in mono as well, so you can't even say, well, he was doing it for the panning effect. Yeah. His best stuff, you know, was the, yeah. I mean, yeah, his best stuff was the early stuff. It was. But Derek, I love what he did with um, Happy Christmas, War is Over. Yeah, yeah, okay. Might be one of my favorite Lennon songs. But okay, but but okay, in the fifties with the girl bands, uh, early sixties, right? Yeah. But I then, mean, but then he know, got like what Ike and Tina Turner. I think it got to the point where he was just he was killing I it. I mean, he was just. I, I mean, know, I river like deep, cool. mountain high, man. I, I I feel like I'm drowning in a wall of sound. Well, no, he threw in the river and the mountain. Yes, he did. Um, I think... I <laughs> and it's a great have, song. I sort of had this theory, which I believe I expounded in my book, that by that time, it's like things had moved on without him musically, and all he had was his reputation as the man who built the wall of sound. Right. So he thought he'd better stick to it. And, yeah, some of his stuff in the mid-late 60s did, I'm not going to say went too far because you can't go too far, but he maybe went in slightly the wrong direction for the song. It became as much about, okay. oh, I'm Phil Spector and look what I've just done. Okay, it felt forced. I, I, that's how I felt. Like, it didn't mm. feel forced before no. when he did it with the girl bands, but it felt forced. <clears throat> That's how I felt. Yeah. 
Um, but there again, you know, I liked what he did with um, Let It Be. Uh, mm. When they released that sort of Let It Be with No Clothes On album. <laughs> I, oh, that wasn't very good, was it? You need a producer, boys. How about Phil Spector? Um, I think if they got another producer, I think it would have been better. Jimmy Miller. Jimmy Miller would have done a good job with that. Yeah, album. I agree. Or Todd Rundgren. <laughs> Are you, just saying, are you just saying that because we mentioned Todd already? Oh, I'm saying that because The Man Who Gave Us Bat Out of Hell, which is the only album that could compete with Spectre in terms of throwing everything in there. True. Yeah. Anyone got a motorbike? Yeah, it's like, yeah, Todd Rundgren producing Let It Be would have been fabulous. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'm not... Uh... I'm one of those who felt like that's the reason why people wanted Let It Be Naked because they want to fill Spectre out of there. But I, I think there could have been another producer for that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so what anyway. is your what is your final pick? Well, after all those wonderful things you said about synth music in the early eighties, <laughs> much you uh, enjoy it. Tainted Love by Soft Cell. Ah, there you go. I thought you were going to pick Bananarama, but... You know, I was, but the Bananarama catalogue is essentially sacrosanct, and it's impossible to pull one of their singles out as being the best. Because, you know, if I say, well, it's, you know, obviously it's Boy Trouble, it's, oh, what about, what about, what about, what about, what about? So I thought, tainted love. You've also said you liked Bay City Rollers, I think, so I thought maybe there'd be something... Was it Bay City Rollers? Uh, I thought that might be one of their songs might be in there. Okay, there so only, Tainted there only, Love. There are only two worthwhile bands whose name be, names begin with B, and they are Banana Rama and the Bay City Rollers. Ooh. The alphabet can end there. That's in pop. Um, yeah, I mean, Bay City Rollers, I was, um, my original list had either Summer Love Sensation or Bye Bye Baby. Mm. But I didn't want to, get, or Shangalang, but I didn't want to get stuck in the 70s. And you didn't want to go after the musicians left Bay City Rollers. You didn't want to, <laughs> you didn't want to follow their careers. Oh, they made some real stinkers at the end. I mean, another idea I had was three records I love and three records I hate by the same artists. <laughs> or Bowie. same musicians. Bowie, it would have been Gene Genie, Love, China Girl, Loathe. Mm, interesting. Um, I like China Girl. Um, you know, Sea Moon versus anything from the 80s. 
Say, say, say. Ooh. Yeah. Yes, no, no, no. That one was really horrible. <laughs> okay, so uh, why did you pick this, this one song by Soft Cell? A, because, again, in my youth, I, we used to have these things called discotheques. And um, Tainted Love by Gloria Jones was like just such a real favorite. But I never really liked the way it was it was done. Mm. And then Soft Cell came out with it and they had that same, I guess we now call it Northern Soul vibe. Mm. But it sounded completely fresh and completely new. And of course, synthesizers hadn't become quite as annoying as they eventually did. Um, and it had that really annoying blink, blink noise on it that uh, people didn't like. How about when um, they change it up later on in the song? They have a certain melody. Um, yeah, and the other thing is, if you, you know, if you get the 12-inch mix, it goes into the most fabulous version of Where Did I Love Go? Yes, that's what I Which meant. is, you know, another of my favorite songs. That's pop music, man. Yeah, time has passed. You don't hear it so much. I was playing their first album the other day, and you know, it comes in, and it's like, oh my god, this is such a great record. Now, could that come out today? I don't know. Mm. I know there's a lot of their stuff you can't really imagine coming out today. I mean, Sex Dwarf, I don't think would go down very well anymore. But lyrics aside, the music. Oh, musically, yeah, people would say, hey, that's really retro. The, you know, the weekend could do it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be horrible, but... <laughs> it'd be horrible, but it'd be identical, but it's, you know, now it's not the 1980s anymore. No, it's not old, I don't like it. All right, so let's let's vent a little bit and talk about songs that could drive us from a room. You know, when you're at a party and you hear that song and you just want to... <laughs> Drinking won't help. Smoking won't help. <laughs> you need to remove yourself from the sound. <laughs> good thing about lockdown, you don't have to go to parties anymore. <laughs> right, you don't have to play it. You don't have to listen to the radio. Um, you know, you could... And if you're listening to the radio, you could just change a station at a party... You have to be the jerk that changes the yeah. record or CD. <laughs> that, that great scene in Quadrophenia where um, they gay crash the party and then they're listening to like, the Cascades or something and Jimmy runs over and puts on a Who single instead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've seen that so many times. I've never done it. So you run over and put on Soft Cell, which, which, is, which is the song that... Uh, pick one of your most hated or... Pick a song you do not, a pop song you do not like. 
Um, okay. Possibly the worst song in the world, and it would mean nothing to our American listeners, but our European listeners will all be hiding under the table as soon as I say chirpy chirpy, cheap cheap, which was a British number one in 1971 for a band called Middle of the Road, very aptly named, and it is ghastly. <laughs> I was, again, small. I, I hated it from the moment it started. Everything about it. And, you know, when you're sort of 10 or 11 and you have that kind of loathing for a record, it's like, wow. I mean, I, I disliked things before. You know, Lemon Tree is a good example. Um, but Chirpy Chirpy Chee was so vile that... Five years later, um, I was on a English television quiz, um, pop music quiz show. Really? Yeah. Now, this you've got to remember, this is in the days when television worked by steam, and we actually had little people in the box <laughs> acting it all out for us because it was that long ago. What was the name? Um, my name. Nick <laughs> <Ed> Thompson. <laughs> Oh, the name of the show was Pop Quest. And um, so I, I was on that and got through the first round easy peasy. Second round, there was this other kid who was like really good. And one of the questions came up and the answer was chirpy, chirpy, cheap, cheap. And I had that moment of absolute terror. I am not going to say those words on prime time, <laughs> tea time television with all my friends watching. So I didn't, I didn't answer, someone else answered it, and I lost, and I wasn't sad. Well, thanks for turning me on to that song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to... If your son is bad, play it to him. <laughs> if your neighbours annoy you, play it loudly, but make sure you've left the state. Um, it's just one of those... Oh, well, speaking of which, um, what could really annoy you, speaking of neighbors, this next song, for some reason, when I, when I was in college, it wasn't a dorm, but it was college housing apartments, and for some reason, I don't know who the neighbor was, him or her, but for like a week, wake up in the morning and play this song by Ario Speedwagon, Can't Fight This Feeling. <laughs> And I would pray every morning, please, please don't start the morning with this song. <laughs> and they would blast it. And I guess it was a CD or a CD single or I don't think it was a 45, um, but it would repeat. And they oh. play it like four times, man. It was just awful. And 
and I didn't like the song to begin with because it's schmaltzy. Can't fight this. For, I don't, it's off of the Wheels Are Turning album, 1984. I guess it doesn't matter what album it's off of. I always thought it was off of High Infidelity, which is another album I don't like. <laughs> I just don't like Ariel Speedwagon. They weren't that bad in the 70s. Um, they had more of a classic rock feel, but God, they're ballads, man. Um, that will just that was torture to me. I felt like I was uh, real. I felt like I was being tortured. <laughs> I, I must say, they're a band whose appeal I have never understood, whose music I've never been able to tolerate. Well, it's uh, not just the. I, I don't know what it is, man. The lyrics. Um, you know, I don't know, <laughs> but <laughs> I was just like, um, I, I, I couldn't find out, you know, when, I, I don't know if you've lived in an apartment complex, yeah. but you don't know if it's the person to the left, right, up or down that's playing this hard music, but you feel yeah. like going up to their door and begging them to please stop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And if there's anything I can do, would you like to talk to me? I'll be your therapist, but please don't listen to the song anymore. (laughs) I'll help you fight this feeling. (laughs) Listening to the song. But but you can hear how, if you had to hear this song about four times every morning, um, how you would feel. uh, There's somebody listening to this. This is their favorite song. It's the song that I proposed to their... Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> so next, what do you pick? Um, we built this city on rock and roll. Oh, there's a lot, there are a lot of people that don't like this. I, you know what it is about this? The strange thing about this song, to me, is that the odd thing, it's everyone thinks of this as corporate rock, right? But the lyrics are anti-corporation. It's the strangest song. Have you listened to it that closely? I haven't. Uh, I, I have, because I figured out, why do I not like this song? Why do, not, why do people not like this song so much? And I... You know, I heard the lyrics and I said, let me let me check out these lyrics better. And I, you know, looked them up and um, they're actually anti-corporate. And it's so weird because when you think of a corporate song put together by little people in the record company, this is what you would think of, right? Uh, you've thought about this far more than I have. <laughs> yeah. I'm afraid my... I didn't have a clue what the song was about. I didn't know it was about anything. So you just, you turn off your mind and as well as turning off the radio when you hear this. Yes, I mean, I've always had difficulty with songs that use rock and roll in the title. Really? Uh, I mean, there are exceptions. I mean, Gary Glitter, fine. Rolling Stones, it's only rock and roll, fine. You know, Bowie, rock and roll suicide, love it. Rock and roll with me, hate it. Mm. Because 
don't want to hear you singing a song about your job, basically. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine a bunch of, I don't know... Postmen? You know, carpenters and plumbers. We built this city on DIY, um, which would probably be more true. I, mean, I would like that on, better, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, build a city on rock and roll, it would have collapsed 40 years ago, and everybody was saying, oh, well, the old one was much better. Um... But no, I mean, it's just so... I don't know why I dislike it so much, that term in a song title so much, but I do. And so the song was on a losing streak before I'd even heard it. And it just struck me as if you took everything unlikable about 80s music, um, visually and musically and lyrically, and put it all into a big pot and stirred it up and then poured it on the floor and had the cat throw up on it. Oh, end shoot. Up wood, which now, yeah, is actually quite an achievement, I suppose. I like all the players, though. That's the weird thing. I, I, I like all the musicians and the singers. Um, Maybe uh, liked them, but I don't know. Who was the singer? Grace Slick. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, God, you really detached yourself from this song. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I liked Airplane up to a point. After Basing at Baxter's is one of my favorite albums. Right. I love Grace Slick, uh, her voice and stuff, but... Yeah, I love her voice. I didn't, yeah, you know, I I didn't even realize it was her. (laughs) I think it was the chorus. The chorus is is the zinger, I think. (laughs) Yeah, it's just just a horrible song. It's that little bouncy, but it's that little bouncy... I don't know. It's a little, it's a little part there that uh, I think drives people nuts. Do you have a copy of a single that is both warped and scratched? Play that. <laughs> How about if I, I, I could give it to uh, a hip hop guy to, you know, sample? Maybe, maybe you'd like it better. <laughs> or play it backwards and. You know, <coughs> No, you know, if, if you play anything backwards, you'll probably find something, you know, in your mind. <laughs> and during these days of conspiracy theories, we don't want to produce any more lies. Um, so I would have to pick for my next one, and this is kind of an obvious one, too, uh, Starland Vocal Band, Afternoon Delight. I, I had an... When I first heard this, I was like, what the hell is this song? It's so happy, but yet it's about something... um... (laughs) Private. Right. It's trying to, in a time, I guess, it's trying to be... It sounds so wholesome, but yet it's so dirty underneath. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, it's... Sad that you dislike it so much because it's one of those. It's so deliciously subversive. It is. I'll give you that. And you know, I can't, you. It's like um, Walk on the Wild Side, where you know the line about you know she never lost her head when she was giving head, yeah. and you know that gets onto daytime radio. And Afternoon Delight sort of falls into the same bag. It's like the DJs who are sitting there. Here's a great hit by Starland Vocal Band, and it's like. You poor deluded fool. What do you think you're playing? (laughs) Thinking of you's working up my appetite. Looking forward to a little afternoon delight. Rubbing sticks and stones together make the sparks ignite. 
mean, as a song, a tune, delivery, I'm sure the people who sang it were very sort of bright and wholesome looking. Um, yeah, I can see why you... Well, you know, it wasn't... Like, I didn't buy the single, my mother did, and I, I don't know what she was thinking, but she, she, um, you know, she was a religious... She was a religious woman, and I don't know if Afternoon Delight to her meant tea and at yeah, lunch, maybe but there is an alternate after lunch... We all have dirty minds. <laughs> it's actually about going to the import shop, buying some nice English biscuits and having a cup of tea, maybe some scones. The whole thing is just freaky to me. Mm. I don't know. It's just bizarre. Especially after you ever see the video of it. It's I, like these wholesome, you know... <laughs> I probably did at the time. It's just... Before it turns out on top of the pops. Um, whenever I think, try to think of what they look like, I always think of the Dooleys, who were an English band, who were also very wholesome, but a little later. <clears throat> and, um, you know what? But I've never visited any of their other songs. What does... What else does the Starland vocal band do? They do a great cover of Budgie's Guts on their third <laughs> <Come> album. <laughs> and um, they also did, the, I mean, the, their fourth album, I think, was the whole anti-Sergeant Pepper thing, where it's like, Rotten meet, a rotten Rita meter maid gave me a ticket and I wasn't even illegally parked, um, which is quite good. <laughs> okay, you're next. And, and listeners, I apologize. We apologize if we hit on some of your favorite songs. This is just our personal. I mean, everyone has them, right? There are, there are a few songs that just, um, you know, hit a nerve, right? I mean, everyone has them. Uh, doesn't yep. mean they're bad songs. They just hit a personal nerve. What's your next one? Uh, Cecilia by Simon and Garfunkel. Ooh. like that I song Simon, I love Simon and Garfunkel I mean every album all the way through I can listen to endlessly and and they waited until the final side of their final album I said oh we'll show him he doesn't like us that much it did and let me ask you did you have a girlfriend Does sadly it? no <laughs> I don't think I've ever met anyone named Cecilia um and that's probably why because of that song. I just put out this sort of, I don't like Cecilia vibe. <laughs> well, um, there could I be, think, it could be someone, it could be a name close to that. Like I said, Celia. Cyril. Yeah. Yeah, I've never had a girlfriend named Cyril either. Yeah, I don't well, know if I've ever known someone called Cecilia. Um, there's Donovan's song, Celia of the Seals, hmm. which, you know, it's wonderful because it's Donovan, so it has to be. Um, but, you know, Paul Simon adding that sort of extra syllable to it mm. just completely destroyed the name. And as I say, you know, you can sit there and play through the entire Simon and Garfunkel catalogue and then final side, final album, there it is. Th that will just drive you out of the room. Now, yeah. is there just, uh, 
It's always on a best of, it seems, right? It's always on... Oh, yeah, it's the last track on the Greatest Hits album. Yeah. Yeah, real insult to injury. Wasn't it on Bridge Over Troubled Water? Wasn't it that album? Yeah. Yeah. Which is a good one. It's a good one. I mean, some of of Paul's lyrics are a little forced. That's the album where Art Gunfunkel looks like he's... uh, He's playing uh, Oats. Like, he seems like an afterthought. He's, like, hidden behind Paul's head. Yeah. <laughs> it's really odd, that album cover. Anyway, so... Um, looked, I always used to think he looked a little bit like a panda. I don't anymore, but... Um, oh, I love art. There is this terrific English TV show called Detectorist. Yeah. And about people with metal detectors going detectoring. And they run into a pair of rival detectorists. There is such a thing, apparently. And they look just like Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> well, my last one is uh, it's sad to pin this on a band because they didn't write it. The Ohio Express. Yummy, yummy, yummy. It was actually written by a singer-songwriter named Joey Levine <clears throat> and played by studio musicians while the Ohio, the Ohio Express were on the road because the producers, they were just interested in making money. And, cats, cats, not cats, wasn't it? And, and yeah, and um, I don't know, some about, it's too bubblegum. It's too bubblegum for me. And it's so... That was their thing, wasn't it? It's like, what is the lowest common denominator we could possibly find? And then let's go below it. It was almost the Phil Spector production. uh, Yeah. He wanted to throw in everything he could. So did they in their own way. It's like, how low can we go? Maybe that's just it with me. I hate extremes when it comes to music, politics, whatever. I hate extremes. Yummy, 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 I got love in my tummy. Maybe it's yep. just, um, yeah, but what was so yummy that ended up in his her, his or her tummy? I Just, it really, <laughs> the whole thing is just, well, it's cringy. Um, scones with jam. <laughs> <laughs> it's, nice pasty. it's not worth uh, exploring or singing about. <laughs> Where Chewy Chewy did end up in commercials. Yeah, Chewy Chewy was pretty bad. Uh, goody Goody Gumdrops. I mean, most of their... Some, but, you know, the other thing is, what was their target audience? It was eight-year-olds. Maybe, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, and was Yummy 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 worse than Sugar Sugar? Yeah, I believe so, but... Um, uh, I'm not so sure. I love the fact that Sugar Sugar was number one the weekend of Woodstock. Really? Yeah, I think so. I think so anyway. But you know, you're right. Sugar Sugar had this sort of like, <clears throat> I was at the point where I was young, where I liked it. Did you really? Yeah, before yeah, I was 10. Was... Yeah, I mean, you know, I kind of liked the Archies. Yeah, 
I mean, I put that into a similar bag to Chirpy Chirpy Cheap Cheap. <laughs> I also liked, uh, you know, the banana splits. Uh, I liked a lot of that stuff. But I could not get into yummy, yummy, yummy. I just thought... Jesse and the Pussycats were kind of fun. Yeah. All the stuff, the music they played on Scooby-Doo. I liked all that stuff when I was uh, pre-teen, below 10 years old. uh, uh, Probably because I didn't know any better. But then I discovered my sister's... uh, Beatles records and said all this other stuff is crap. <laughs> I, I, I was lucky because uh, I'm a little more vintage than you. So when yeah. I was that age, it was the monkeys. I like the monkeys still to this day. In fact, I, I, the monkeys. Um, Randy Skowski almost got onto my list for today. It was only later that I realized that other people wrote a lot of their music. And what great songwriters did write their music, so... Yeah, I mean, it, but it doesn't matter who wrote their music. You know, when you think of all the great performers through time who didn't write their own songs, it's like, oh, Frank Sinatra, what a waster. Well, I could have easily picked I'm a Believer, a song like that, but, you know, I just went with my own personal picks. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm a Believer is a great pop song. Yeah, um, believer. Yeah, yeah. In fact, most of their singles, until you get up to D.W. Washburn, which was a little force. I'm surprised you didn't pick Partridge Family, right? Didn't you like um, They came, again, they came close. <laughs> and, and which one? You know, one of these nights, uh, one of those nights, or you know, Walking in the Rain. I mean, there were so many great Partridge Family singles. Again, it's like Banana Rama and Rollers. It's really hard to choose between them. But that's also when you grew up, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of like when I grew up with, say, Banana Splits, you know, or Scooby-Doo, and I liked the music that went with it. Well, anyway, listeners, hope you enjoyed our, our little <laughs> pop discussion. I hope you didn't get insulted by our personal demons. But, um, Dave, we'll see yeah. you again on Spin Cycle. What do you yeah. have coming up in the next spin cycle? Let's see. You have um, uh, you have uh, not stacks, but you have something. John Coltrane, yeah, I is in the next one, and Devo. Yeah, that's from and, the Rocktober leftover from Rocktober and Rhino. Yeah. But but the uh, Coltrane is is from something from is it from Omnivore or Craft uh, Recordings? Oh, yeah. yeah it, um, and it, I mean, it's great. They actually sort of made these records pretty much by hand. Yeah. With, it's a limited edition. It sounds amazing. It reminded me of, uh, remember Rhino used to do handmade Yeah, but stuff? That, was, that was CDs, wasn't it? It was, but this, this now has, they make a limited number of vinyl records. They press a num- limited number because this way, you know, after you press a certain amount of vinyl... It starts to wear down. And so, it deteriorates, yeah. Right. So, so doing it in a thousand copies, um, in a you know, in a sort of a little box set. Um, I well, think they look great. They sound great. 
And you always hear from people, oh, that's just a gimmick, only making a thousand copies. But no, there's a reason also behind it. So the quality of sound still sound, you know, still is there. Because once you get past a certain point in the pressing process, um, it isn't there anymore. So, and, that's, and you know, the other thing I think is, you know, a thousand copies for you know, a Coltrane album, it doesn't strike me as that unreasonable. Because, no. you know, seriously, how many people are going to say, oh, wow, they brought out a really expensive version. You know, I must go and buy it. It probably isn't more than a thousand. True. So, I mean, it annoys me sometimes with box sets where I think, hmm, I'd kind of like that, and it disappears. Like, yeah, but then you um, have to find but, it for, on eBay and pay double or triple the amount of money, unfortunately. Or you go and listen to it on YouTube and realize that you didn't want it that much after all. <laughs> I usually always do want it, though. I love box sets, all the stuff that comes so in. I, unfortunately, no, they're expensive, I know, but... Um, There's a Thin Lizzy one that came out last year, which uh, is like four discs of unreleased, no, three three discs of unreleased uh, demos and things. And it's like, I really, really wanted it. And it resurfaced for sale. Hmm. Um, Universal pressed more copies. And I almost hit the trigger, but I was messing around on YouTube and I was just thought, I wonder if anything's on there, up there from this. And pretty much the whole album is up there. And I listened to it, and I suddenly realized that as with Thin Lizzy's regular albums, once you get past Johnny the Fox, I lose interest. So, you know, the idea of, you know, three figures on probably one disc that I play. <laughs> hey, is there, speaking of pop, was there a pop compilation box set that you liked? Um, I did like that Rhino series. Now that's what I call. Uh, no, not now that's what. Um, have a nice day. Have a nice day. Yeah, they. I mean, because they put some real terrors on there, but there was good stuff as well. But I think my favorite. It's one that Cherry Red put out um, late last year, which is British hits of the, uh, or British non-hits, but pop of the early 70s. Hmm. And it is, it's incredible because it's just, it's so saccharine, but it's so much fun. And you put it on and it's just, I can't believe I'm listening to this. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that's what I call music is like uh, the new version of, you know, KTEL or, um, some of the uh, other. I mean, they were they were great when they came out. If you wanted all the recent, oh, the Cherry Red album actually is called Bubble Rock is Here to Stay, hmm. which is the perfect title. Now that's icon music. It's like if I'd been ten years younger, I'd probably have got them all, at least up to a point. Because I mean, they were it's like all the hits. Did you but, did you collect KTEL records? No, I collected this series called Top of the Pops, which came oh, out. Oh, because there, there was also Ronco as well as KTEL, these compilations, yeah. yeah. These ones, they came out on a budget label, and it wasn't the original artist. They had this team of session men who were basically you know, told, right, these are, the, um, these are the songs you're covering, and we want finished tape for the whole album in three days. Mm. And they'd go in and they'd be saying, ah, oh, you know, Autobahn by Kraftwerk, okay. 
Bohemian Rhapsody. They did it in a night. <laughs> I never got that. But <laughs> Go on to YouTube and look up Top of the Pops, Bohemian Rhapsody. And you listen to it and you think, so how come it took Queen so long? Because they capture you know, the sheer madness of that song. It's really, really good. The version of Autobahn is great. They did Death Disco by Public Image on one of the volumes. You know, they had no pride. Well, um, if, you liked, if you liked pop, K-Tel definitely did pop right. Um, yeah, these were good, though, because it was all the current hits. There was a new, a new uh, volume every three months of the hits of, you know, of the last three months and the ones they thought were coming up. Uh, Twelve songs per album, and they were wonderful. Well, K-Tel, the problem with K-Tel is that the records were so low quality. I think they were yeah. just, like, samplers, so you could go buy the... You well, know, didn't they the... have, like, 40 tracks a side or something? <laughs> <laughs> it was an impossible number of songs per side. And the other, the other problem is they could never license the ones that you really liked from that time. True. They, they were limited in what they could put on there, whereas the Top of the Pops albums, because they were covers, yes. it's like, it doesn't matter if Paul McCartney licenses his, his songs, here's our version of Band on the Run. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Because sometimes you, they, 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 you know, K-Tel will say, smash hits, and then you'd come across... A song would be like, what? This song's not a smash hit. But Henry Gross. (laughs) Because it would be a smash hit because they can get licensing to it. And because it's a good title. (laughs) That was the reason why. Oh, God. Lucky Star. Oh, I should have put that on my list. (laughs) Well, anyway, it was fun. And we'll see you next time in the spin cycle. Um, yeah. Goldmine readers, you pick up the the new edition of Goldmine, the March issue, which actually has an article on KTEL, collecting KTEL okay. records, as well as Dave's spin cycle. And you can pick that up at Barnes & Noble and also Books A Million Stores. And also go to goldminemag.com for other exclusive content and get a percentage off subscription price. Dave, thanks for coming on. And that was fun. Thank you. We'll talk to you again in another podcast. We should do something similar. Yes, or something completely different. <laughs> thanks a lot, man. <laughs> Bye. Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.